0: Amen. I want to take a moment right now before I get into the word, and I want to thank Pastor Olga. Um, she was supposed to preach today, but now she's she's actually going to be back with the kids, helping them with their song for next week. So you're stuck with me. People look disappointed, Pastor Beto. Wow, I don't know if I should be offended. Or I say, I understand. I get it. You were looking forward to Pastor Olga. I'm sorry you got me. Here I am. But God is here. God, the presence of God is here. Amen. Before I get into this, I also want to take a few moments to just acknowledge the men and women in this, in this ministry that make it work. Can we, can we just put our hands together and show love for everyone who serves and gives of their life and their time on a weekly basis? Amen. We cannot do this without them. Um, I, want, I want to thank God for Emmanuel and Nadia and Brock and Mackenzie and Kristen. They they drove all the way from what I say Kentucky today just to be. It, it wasn't that far, but it's like it feels it feels that far probably sometimes when you got to leave that early in the morning to get you. But they came to help us create an atmosphere of worship so you could experience the presence of God. Amen. I want to thank God for my brother, Dylan, and, and y'all, gotta, I'm not lying when I get ready to say this next, who worked 93 hours this week, and 93 hours this week, and still is here with a smile on his face. His legs don't work, but, but he's got a smile on his face. Amen. I, I want to thank God for, for RevDev and Reverend, and obviously, and everything they pour into our ministry every week. On their anniversary week, still showing up to church because I forced them to. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank God for them. And I thank God for, for, for you being here today and the presence of God is here. Can I get an amen if you can sense his presence today? All right, so because I was not supposed to preach today, that means I'm not going to preach long. Can somebody say hallelujah? Come on, somebody. I know you're ready for that. But it also means because I feel like God is wanting to do something right here today. Something that God has prepared for us to do here at a place called the altar. I'll get to that at the end of this message. Amen. If you're, if you're standing your feet, thank you. See, I appreciate you standing your feet because I'm going to make you sit down in just a moment. But since you're standing... The title of this series that we're in is called Tis the Season. Last week it was Tis the Season for the Presence, right? Tis the Season for Presence. I told you what this week was going to be. I prefaced it last week. Today is Tis the Season for Offense. Tis the Season for Offense. Come on, somebody. Uh, why, how do we, why do we call it the most wonderful time of the year and Christians are so mad and so upset and so cantankerous and so bitter and, and cussing people out and giving them the bird and, 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 and condemning them to hell? Well, come on, ladies and gentlemen, why are we so offended if it's the most wonderful time of the year? Before you before see it, Tiana, give me that first video. Does anybody ever, what, what theological position do you hold that makes people respond like this? Anybody got a theological position you hold too? Come on, that just makes people just, just want to fight. And Pastor Beto, this, this this was not the World Cup. Okay, this is I'm sure this is how they were feeling in Portugal yesterday. Come on, somebody, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, they, they were not happy seeing Ronaldo get the exit. But but uh, do you hold a theological position that just makes you want to fight? You just get so mad and offended. You just want you want to fight. Here's what we need to do, Talon. Give them that next video. Here's how we need to be. Come on, somebody, when you're about to say something petty. But the Holy Spirit holds you back. Come on. Come on, somebody. You need a little bit of this in your life. Somebody needs this in your life. Woo! Amen. Amen. Tis the season for offense. You can be seated today. Thank you. Thank you. I'll I'll jump into the Word, but I'm going to be all over the place today. Tis the season for offense. Do, Do you recognize that we live in an era, in a generation, if you will, where everybody seems to be offended about everything? all the time it's like I don't even know what I can say anymore without somebody getting offended uh, this happens every week I'm, I'm on my sermons come on somebody pastor Beto I, I've recognized that I, I I love people but I recognize on any given Sunday they're not gonna love me back because I'm gonna say something or do something that's going to offend someone and most times I don't even know what I've done I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to help you get healed and help you get whole and help you get close to God. And some of you hold things against, against me and I'm just like, I don't know what I did because we're offended about everything all the time. If I take a political position you don't agree with, I've offended you. If I take a, 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 a stance on a social issue that you don't agree with, I've offended you. If I tell you it's time to give a second offering, I've offended you. I, I don't know why this, if I don't click like on your social media rant, I've offended you. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it, but this is the, the era that we live in. You know this, when you go to the store, if you say Merry Christmas, someone gets offended. If you don't say Merry Christmas, you get offended. If, 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 if you say to somebody, you look good for your age, <laughs> I've offended you. If I don't say you look good for your age, I've offended you. Good Lord. Can I help somebody here today? The reason it's so hard for you to stay happy is because it's so easy for you to get offended. Should I say it again? The reason it's so hard for you to stay happy, not just feel happiness, to stay happy, is because it's become so easy for us to get and stay offended. Uh, Here's what I love about the Bible. Uh, Anybody else love the Bible? Come on, because the Bible is just real. It's just real. It actually tells us that offenses are coming. Uh, in Proverbs 18, 19, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Wow. We can take down Jericho before I can win some of you ever, back ever again. I'm never going to be pastor's friend ever again. Not that he, not that he conquers Jericho. You're, you're harder to win back than a fortified city. That's old covenant, Pastor. Fine. Even Jesus guaranteed that you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. Luke 17:1, Jesus said to his disciples, It is inevitable. That stumbling blocks or offenses will come. But woe to that person through whom they come. Let's just make a decision right now. Maybe I can't always be unoffended, but I would do everything I can to not offend. Come on, somebody. Woe unto them, Jesus said. It's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and jump into the river. I, 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 I can't always stop offense from coming, but I sure as I can do everything I possibly can to not offend. The Bible is so real. And this, this word here, stumbling block, that Jesus uses, the, the Greek word translated for stumbling block is, is uh, skandalon. Okay? It's, we get our English word scandal from skandalon. I feel like I'm praying in tongues now. <laughs> skandalon is, simply means an offense or, or a stumbling block, or check this out, or an occasion to fall. In other words, when I'm offended, the door is open, for me to stumble. When I'm offended, the doors open for a stumbling block to cause me to fall. And here's, here's Satan's whole entire goal. If you're taking notes today, I just want you to know that Satan's whole goal is destruction, his strategy is division. But check this out his tactic is offense. Come on, he, he doesn't just show up and then make the announcements here I am, I'm about to rob, kill, and destroy. <laughs> That's not what he does come on Satan is cunning he's clever he's slick boy he knows how to set up the trap of offense why all he has to do then is just sit and wait for the occasion for you to get offended and then stumble and eventually fall see here's what Satan knows he knows that your offended heart actually becomes a breeding ground uh, an offended heart is a breeding ground for deception when your heart is offended, how come on, somebody? Remember, remember that one time when Pastor Beto didn't shake your hand at the door? You haven't let it go yet. Because pa, Pastor Beto had just, just got done making 150 phone calls to families, praying for them and ministering to them, I and mean, he just happened to miss you at the door and you got offended. All Satan did was set the trap. It's like, oh, they, they, Pastor Beto didn't to shake their hand today because he's too busy right now. He's too preoccupied with things going on, so I'm going to set the trap and watch how they get offended when Pastor Beto does not shake their hand. And then Pastor Beto walks by and doesn't shake your hand, and now you've what the? He didn't see me. He didn't notice me. He, would, he doesn't care about me. He's forgot all about me. Ah. And Satan just watches you fall headlong into the trap he set. Why? Because he knows that this this offended heart becomes a breeding ground for deception. I can throw anything at you, and sometimes it only starts with one thing, right? Just one thing done wrong. Come, come on, come on, married people. One dumb thing said. Come on, come on, married people. One unmet expectation. Come on, married people, one missed anniversary. Satan has opened open the door to offense and deception. And then here's, here's what he does. I was offended, but now what does Satan do? He loves to heap it on. Come on. I need, I need somebody who knows what I'm talking about. Say, well, heap that thing on. Come on. See, he doesn't even care about you at all. See, see that woman don't care how hard you work and everything you do to provide for you. She don't care at all. See, see your pastor, he doesn't even recognize your calling and your anointing. They don't acknowledge how, how powerful you are. Go find another church that will point you out and highlight you and let you sing and preach even though you're not anointed to do either. Dang, we should let Pastor Olga preach. (laughs) Offense. Is Pastor trying to offend me today? I'm trying to talk about a season that we're in where it's so easy to be offended. Be offended. And I think we all can say amen to this. Usually it's the people who are closest to us that offend us the deepest. I believe it was David that wrote the psalm, Psalm 55, verse 12. He said, it was not an enemy who reproached me. If it was an enemy, I could bear it. No, it was the one who, who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I, I could hide myself from him. So it wasn't my enemy. It wasn't my haters. Here's what he said. He said it was you, my equal, my companion, my closest friend. I could bear it if it's someone that hated me, but it crushes me because it's someone close. When you think through human history, the bloodiest of wars are always civil wars. When you, when you think of the most vicious court cases, they're always divorce cases. Oh, shoot. Let's not relive yours. Come on, somebody. When you, when you, when you think of, of the most egregious crimes, they're almost always domestic. Why did that father shoot his wife and children and then turn the gun on himself? Because usually the people who are closest to us are the ones who can offend us The deepest. I guess it leads me to to the second point that I want you to know. It's actually harder for us to stay offended when we put down the magnifying glass and instead pick up a mirror. Come on, Sherlock Holmes. I don't need you scrutinizing every part of my life. Pick up a mirror. Check yourself, first of all. I feel like I remember a psalmist one time, oh, back in the 80s, just let me know I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Okay, you know where he got that from? Oh, from a man named Jesus who said in Matthew 7, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye but fail to notice the beam in your own? My God, I wish I had a plank right now so I can show what some of you look like. Okay, just big old plank just stinking out of your eye, just like this. You're trying trying to help me, hey, pastor, you got got a little something in your life. I I I need to pray for we need to get that out. But bro, before you dare try getting that speck out of my eye, what about the plank hanging out in your own? See, it, it's, it's actually easier, easier to live your life free of offense when you stop scrutinizing everybody, and instead you, you get introspective and look at yourself, look in the mirror. And, and I think it's so easy, and many of us recognize this, that how do we tend to judge ourselves? Jessica, we judge ourselves based on our intentions. So then why do we judge everyone else based on their actions? Come on, you judge yourself based on, 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 on your good intentions, even if you don't follow through. Well, if they only knew what was really in my heart, I don't know what's in your heart. I know what you gave in the offering. I, I, I don't know what's in your heart. I see how you serve. I, I, only God can judge your heart, baby. All I can see is the outward. So we judge everyone else based on their actions, but we, we want everyone to judge us based on our intentions. And I love what Jesus says in verse 5. He says, you hypocrites, first take the beam out of your own eye, and then you can see more clearly to remove the speck of dust from mine. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the, what's the plank hanging out in your eye right now? What, 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 is, what is that thing in your life that God, God has been trying to get you to drop for quite a while? Why, why, why drop it? Not just so you look better, so you can finally help someone else with what's going on in their life. I mean, clearly you can see the speck of dust in mine, but how are you failing to see the plank in your own? The reason God wants to remove it is not just so you can be free, but so you can help others find a place of healing and freedom. Can I get an amen from somebody who understands Christianity is more than just about myself? Which leads me to my third point. If we're going to overcome offense, we must become offensive. Oh, shoot, what does he mean by that? To overcome offense, I must become offensive. You see, when when an offense occurs, the Bible tells us, when when an offense happens, a debt is owed. Okay? For for instance, has someone ever, like, just just really just upset you? and, And maybe you didn't say it out loud, you didn't put words to it, but in your head you thought, they'll pay for that. I know I'm talking to some marriages right now. Maybe you didn't put any, any audible words, but in your heart, you were just like, mm, they're going to pay. Ooh. And I'm going to make sure the price is steep, boy. They're going to pay. See, so when offense occurs, a debt is owed. Let me tell you how you can actually help them cancel their debt. Okay? You have to apply the Christian F word. The Christian. I preface that. With the Christian F word. Y'all know what the Christian F word is? You hate every time I say it. Forgiveness. The only way I can help you cancel your debt. You can't pay it. You can't pay it. You've wronged me. You can't remove this debt. But something can. It's called forgiveness. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, verse 14. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, I let this verse hanging for a reason because you need to understand if we're ever going to overcome offense, we have to learn to become offensive. Oh, Lord. It, the, this the whole point i 'm trying to use the, the the christian f word forgiveness because forgiveness is offensive. Now, I didn't say offensive in the sense where it's, a, it's scandalous. I mean, it's offensive because it's a spiritual weapon in your arsenal. It's an offensive weapon. Forgiveness. If I'm going to overcome offense, I've got to learn to be offensive. That means instead of always being on the defense because I'm offended, I learned to counteract and counterpunch and go on the offensive with forgiveness. Paul taught us in Ephesians 4, he said, Let all bitterness, let all wrath, all clamor, all anger, all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. How do I do that? How do I forgive one another? Here it is. This is why it's not scandalous. This is why it's not even personal. This is supernatural. True forgiveness is not something I can just conjure up myself. I need some supernatural help and he reminds us, forgive one another even as God, the supernatural one, has forgiven you. It's time we stop being so defensive and so offended and go on the offensive and forgive with God's help with God's help my God an offended person who cannot forgive Jesus said if you refuse to forgive others my father in heaven will not forgive you you know why you you refuse to forgive it's because you have forgotten how great of a debt you were forgiven oh man Derek, I feel like every week I'm trying to remind people, don't forget. Don't forget. Yes, forgive, but don't forget the great debt God has removed from your slate. Some of you, you've only been forgiven a, a couple thousand sins, but anybody upward towards the millions, and God has completely wiped the slate clean, can you throw up your hand and say, thank you, Lord? It's that kind of forgiveness I can never forget. God, if I could only find an example of somebody who had every right to be offended, if only I could find a, an example of somebody who had every right to hold my offenses against me, if I, only could find somebody who had every right to reject me and send me to eternal damnation if i only could find somebody who had every right to say i'll never forgive you for this if only we could find somebody who instead spread his arms wide and hollered father forgive them for they know not if only i could find somebody who didn't wait for me to apologize but chose and said to lay down his life so that all my offenses could be forgiven want to move from being offended to being offensive we must never forget how much we've been forgiven I just can't forget I can't forget it allows me to to look at what you've done to me and say okay that feels unforgivable but I remember how much I've been forgiven and so instead of focusing on what you did I'm going to focus on what he did trying to help you and if I focus on what he did it becomes easy to forgive what you've done because my mind is not set on what you've done my mind is set on all he's done is the blood of Jesus more than enough to cover every one of your sins then let that be your focus because we overcome Satan anyway by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony how about your testimony instead of being always offended I, I focus on the fact I'm forgiven Amen. That's my testimony. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Jesus said like this in Matthew 18 one time. But well, Peter's the one who came to him first. He said, he said Jesus and I love Petey. They don't just love Petey. Petey's like, like, like all of us. We feel like, hey, hey, check this out, Jesus. I got something for you. Because the, the Jewish law really required that if, if, if someone offends you, that you forgive them once, twice, three times. Almost a three strikes you're out rule. Okay, that was the Jewish. That was the, that was the kind of the Jewish rule, if you will, of the day. Well, Peter comes and and, and and I love this about Peter, right? You know, some of y'all try to get real spiritual sometimes with Jesus, and he said, like, Hey, Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Should I forgive him up to? Check this out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what the Jews do. I'm gonna double it and add one. Should I forgive him up to seven times? Now, if, it was just, if, it, if I was a good Jew at the time, I'd be, oh, wow, that's so impressive, Peter. Wow, I'm so amazed by the fact that you want to give him forgive him more than double plus one than what we're required to. Seven times. Wow, Peter, you're amazing. And I could feel like the disciples, if they weren't offended at what Peter was asking them, I'd be, good job, Peter, well done. But I love Jesus. Don't you just love Jesus? But he said to Peter, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, while Peter's pulling out his calculator, here's the whole point. Okay? Jesus is telling me, I don't forget what was done. Instead, every time I think about it, I choose to forgive. This is going to be freedom for somebody in this place here today every time the offense comes to my mind. I'm not tallying up 490 because that's 70 times 7. What I'm doing is I'm instead of focusing on the offense, I'm making the choice to forgive. Every time I remember the betrayal, I make the choice to remember to forgive. Every time I remember the pain, I make the choice to remember I forgive it. Every time I remember how wrong it was, how painful it was, I choose instead to focus on the fact I've been forgiven and I Release forgiveness every time I think of the offense. And this is what you keep you in freedom. Freedom. Because some of you, you've been replaying the same offense for years. Some of us have lived a long time. We've been replaying it for decades. And if you would just apply what Jesus said. If you did what Peter said, your seven was up, come on, you know, 25 years ago. But if I stop focusing on counting how many times I need to forgive and just keep focusing on forgiveness, it keeps my heart free. I didn't say I forgot what was done. I just simply said I choose instead to forgive. Amen. Amen. Anybody in this house found this revelation to be so true in your own life? Every time I think of the offense, I choose forgiveness, and it's kept my heart free. Amen. I me make sure I'm not alone in this. Here's my fourth and final point, and I'll belabor it. But it's my final point, so you can be really happy right now. We're going to lunch early today. Hallelujah. You'll never have to build up a wall of offense again. Because God himself promises he will be a fence of protection. A fence of protection. My God, if Fred Hammond was here right now, I'd tell him to fire it up, bro. Jesus, be a fence. Jesus, be a fence. Right. I don't have to build walls of a fence. I can recognize who God is. He promises to be a fence of protection. In the Old Covenant, he said it like this in Zechariah 2. He said, run and tell that young man. This is actually an angel speaking. You run and tell the young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls. Wait, What? Without walls, who's going to protect us? Who's going to guard us? And a great number of people and animals in it. Ooh, hallelujah. Just in case you were wondering about if your pet's going to be with you in heaven or not, there's your answer. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Uh, No walls, that means no protection. That means no guard. That, that, That means the enemy could get it at any time. Oh, but that's not where the angel stops. He says this next. Because God says, I myself will be a wall of fire around it. I don't need to build any more walls of offense against you, against my family, against my boss against my neighbors, against the politicians, against people who don't agree with me. I don't have to build walls of fence. God promises he will be a wall of protection around my life at all times. See, can I illustrate this? Can I just illustrate this real quick? Can I get, like, just four people? Come help me out. Just give me four people real quick. Just four people. I don't care who it is. Come on. Thank you. There's one, two, three. I need one more. Come on, Michael. Thank you, sir. Come on. Here's what I want y'all to do real quick, okay? I want to give you... Hold hands around me. Okay. This, this is my wall of offense. Okay. This is what many of you look like to God. Okay. Your offense is actually an illusion of your freedom. Okay. Maybe you're not bound, if you will, with shackles. But you're bound in your forward progression. So every Sunday you come to church and, and, and you have the illusion of being free. And, and you move around and you shout and you sing. And you're having a good time. But you can only go so far. I, 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 I can barely see you, but I'm looking at you. And, and so you, you give us the illusion that 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 moving. That I'm moving. And yes, you're moving around, but you're not moving forward. Okay. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yes. You, you you've got a destiny, but but you're not getting to it. Yeah, yeah yes. There's a, there's there's a calling and an anointing on your life, but you found yourself entrapped by offense, entrapped by your offenses. And you cannot get past this. And I came to tell somebody today, God wants you to get a revelation that the offense in your heart and the offenses of sin you continue to commit are not allowing you to fulfill the greater purpose God has. And you can give us the illusion of your freedom, but God sees you're still bound. And he wants you to know today, there's a place of freedom. And it isn't in your offense. It's when you decide to break free of this offense and make your way down to a place Place of freedom. It's called the altar. Now, in just a moment, thank you all. I'm going to call you to a place where God has designed you to be, because I know many of you today you've been carrying some of your offenses and your and your pain for so long that you've built up this high tolerance to pain. Come on, let's be honest. Many of you have a high tolerance to pain because because what you've done is you've been carrying your pain for so long. And God is wanting you to have this revelation today. You're actually not supposed to carry your offense past the altar. This is as far as you're supposed to take it. Don't carry it with you out of this building today. Jesus, Lord, help me right now. If somebody knows how to pray, Lord, help me right now. Today can be a day of final freedom for some of you. Where you can finally leave different than how you came in. And God is telling you today, stop carrying that offense for another day, another week, another year, another decade. Stop carrying it. Carry it to the altar and leave it there. Leave it there. It's how Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23. He said, if you are offering your gift at the altar. You wonder why we take an offering every week? Because Jesus taught us this. When you offer your gift at the altar, what, what is supposed to happen? And you remember that your brother or your sister has something Against you, I need you to understand the revelation of an altar. An altar in the old covenant was a place of sacrifice. It was it was a place of the of the burnt offering that would go up before God. It was a place of death. But Jesus points out the altar is also supposed to be a place where we drop our offenses. It is the place where our offenses finally get settled. And I came to tell somebody today, the only way you can surrender your hurt is when you surrender your right. To be hurt, I said the only way you can fully surrender that hurt is when you surrender your right to be hurt. God, I need your help to forgive because my right says I want to hold on to this offense. But Jesus taught me in Mark 11 25 when I am standing there and praying, I have to first forgive anyone, I have to let go of their right to hurt me, and I have to let go of the grudge I hold against them. And then what happens? When I stand there praying, I wonder why my prayers aren't being heard. I wonder why there's no power when I'm trying to seek God. Maybe because there's still something else sitting on the throne of my heart called offense. And Jesus is trying to tell you today, if you want your Father to forgive you and hear your prayers and answer your prayers, you've got to forgive those who have wronged you first to be free from hurt. You've got to give up your right to remain in your pain. Jesus is telling us God is going to forgive us the same way we forgive others. The same way. So surrender your rights, ladies and gentlemen. Surrender your rights so your shout works. Come on. Surrender your rights so your dance means something. Surrender your rights so you can throw up your hands and say, God, I praise you. And it it goes so much further than your prison cell come on uh, surrender your rights so that religion starts working in your life surrender your rights so that your prayer life becomes effectual and fervent and you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover let's get let's get this surrender my rights so that ultimately i can tell a demon you're leaving in three seconds and not have to pray for 45 minutes come on somebody it is time for me to surrender my rights so that this thing called Christianity will work. My God. Some of you have been praying for things for so long and you don't even realize the reason it's not being answered. It's not because God doesn't hear you, it's because you're holding on to something. It's time to let it go. Someone say, let it go. Come on, I'm not going to join with Elsa and, and a company chorus here and sing, no. It's time just to let it go. Let it go. Here's what I want to tell you, and I'm done. It's okay for you to look at people who have wronged you and say, I might be mad at you, but you owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. Here's what I mean. Why do we go about thinking that the people who hurt us are also the ones who can heal us? We've been deceived because offense in our heart is the breeding ground for deception. And so now we look at those same people who have hurt us and we're waiting for them to heal us. But they owe you nothing. They might not ever apologize for what they've done wrong. You might not ever get an I'm sorry. They might not ever open up their eyes and realize how wrong they've done you. What you have to decide here is simply there's only one who can take my hurt and heal my hurt. And it's at a place called the altar where God is saying today, come on, don't act like you're not mad, bring your anger. Come on, don't act like you're not hurt bring your pain come on don't act like you haven't been wounded and offended bring it because what you're carrying i want to take what you're carrying so I can give you what I'm carrying. I came to tell somebody here today, God's got love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. He's got something he wants to place on your life today, but you need to bring what you've been carrying and leave it right at the altar. It's a revelation that once you catch, you realize I don't have to carry this thing past this altar. I can leave it there, and when I walk away, I can instead carry what God wants me to have what God wants to place on my life. Are you tired of letting offense kill your joy? Are you tired of letting offense kill your peace? Are you tired of letting the offense kill your faith? Are you tired of letting the offense kill your prayers and your power? Are you tired of letting that offense keep you from loving the people in your life the way they need to be loved? What Jesus is telling you today is is the secret to, to really just To offense is to learn how to drop it. Learn how to drop. He says, Leave it. Leave it at the altar. Leave it there. Leave it. Leave your gift. Leave the offense there so you can go and make it right with your brother. And with you, leave it at the altar. I-, I don't know why, but I'm remembering s- uh, some rap lyrics from the late 90s that say, Some things I just need to learn to drop it like it's hot. I can't touch this thing anymore. I just gotta leave it there. Leave it. Jesus says, leave your gift. Verse 24 of Matthew 5. Leave your gift there before the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and your sister. Then you can come. The only time this gift is going to be received is when I've released the offense. When I've released it. When I've gone and I've tried to reconcile. Ladies and gentlemen, if God has... Dropped all charges against you. And aren't you thankful? He dropped those charges like it was hot. If he's dropped all charges against you, what do you need to drop today? I'm done. Let's do what the word of God teaches us to do. We haven't even taken the offering yet before Pastor Bethel comes to do so. I want to ask you before you could even gift your gift, you bring your gift to the altar, what's in your heart that is keeping you bound? What, what in your heart has replaced the presence of God? What offense even now? You, you, know, you know how we know it's there? I remember hearing a minister tell me one time he said, you know how you know there's a stronghold in your heart? Because you'll defend it. You'll defend it. So the stronghold is? It's a place of defense. It's a fortification. If I start talking about some issue and you start defending it, Oh, we, we we found your stronghold. We found your offense. Woo. That's why I only talk about money once in a while. Because I, I know what it does to Christians. I, I know what it does to those especially who, who don't honor God with their wealth. It offends. But I came to simply say today today is the day where I no longer have to give the illusion of my freedom. I can leave it there. Amen. All over this room, can you stand your feet with me today? I'm going to open up this this place called an altar. And I want to remind you, this is not just a place of death. It is not just a place of sacrifice. This is also a place where the offense in your heart can finally be settled. It's right here between you and the Father. And let me tell you why today, I believe especially God wants us to release offense in this season. Because next week, he's called us to go on the offensive. Next week, we're going to pick up thousands of toys for over a thousand kids. And I don't need your wounded, offended, bitter, cantankerous, nasty self treating people who need Jesus. And need to be free from offense. And need to be free from sin. Like, I can never be free because they see you still in bondage. I'm trying to offend you enough today to simply say it's time to get out of this and go on the offensive. It's time to start forgiving those who have wronged me. It's time to live in forgiveness every time I remember the offense. And ultimately, it's time for us to go on the offensive. Because Satan's always trying to keep me on the defensive. But if I remember correctly, I've got an offensive weapon at my disposal called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is what I keep on my lips. So I can resist the devil and he must flee. And i can submit to god draw near to him and he will draw near to me and that's what an altar is a place where we meet god where we meet god y'all ready for this y'all ready for this because we're excited about next week we're excited about what god is going to do 17 services at least next sunday 17 services thank god they i don't preach as long as i do at all 17. we'll have our main service at 10 30 And then starting at 12.45, we go on the offensive. And for multiple sessions, Pastor Bethel and I will preach the gospel in English and in Spanish and present the greatest gift of all, the forgiver of all of my offenses, Jesus Christ. And we will sit here and watch as people all over this room for at least 16 services will lift their hands and receive the gift of God's forgiveness. Jesus Christ. And on the way out the door, we'll give them toys and we'll pray over their life again as well. God is going to be moving in a powerful way. And I'm trying to tell you, God has called you to be a part of that. But not just to give the illusion of freedom to men and women who don't know Christ. To show them what it really means to live in freedom. To, to, to live in forgiveness. And ladies and gentlemen, I feel like God is, is literally opening up some eyes right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I need somebody else how to pray in the Spirit. Just pray with me right now. Because this is spiritual warfare. I've been fighting a spiritual battle this entire service. You, the, the offense has been so big. And, and, and so so strong in some of your hearts that everything I've said so far is just ricocheted off. But I feel the Spirit of God wanting us now. War in the Spirit. So somebody who knows how to pray in the Spirit, pray with me now. Let's transform this atmosphere so that every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God will be brought low. So that every little, every stronghold in our heart is destroyed and brought down. Instead of, instead of setting up our Asherah poles and our and our our altars to Baal we're going to destroy those things today and bring them low and bring them down I came to declare to somebody's heart right now though it may be broken though it may have been abused though it may have been wrong and though your heart is still full of hurt and full of offense come to the potter Jeremiah caught a revelation I saw the potter take a pot of clay and he broke it down but it was in the breaking that the potter began to remake and reshame shape and remold. And I came to tell you today, though they wronged you, though they were done with you, God is not done with your life just yet. If you will give your heart, he will remold it and reshape it and make it something new and beautiful again. Join me at this altar all over this room. Come on, join me at this altar. Come on, join me at this altar. Join me.